Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. Good morning or afternoon or evening. It's a podcast. Could be listening to this at the crack of dawn. It's the podcast. It's Pete Forsey. Thanks so much for tuning in. I've said it before. It's ringing true today on the final day of August. Cam Newton owns these airwaves. I will give him credit. There is nothing that draws me back to the microphone easier than Cam Newton. He was cut by Bill Belichick today on the final day of roster cutdowns for the NFL. Their season is right around the corner, coming about 12 days here where the Bucks and the Cowboys kick it off for 2021. We're back to talk about that. I, I think there's a little bit of denial, and I'll extend this to the St. Louis Cardinals organization and baseball for different reasons, but there's denial upon the media's part on what Cam Newton is and kind of how they portray it. There's nothing surprising about Cam Newton being cut today by the Patriots. We're going to talk about Javi Baez and the New York Mets thumbs down and the uh, the audacity on his part to do that. We'll talk about Yadier Molina, his extension as a St. Louis Cardinal. We're going to talk about teams to look at, to bet on here in the NFL season, which teams to stay away from. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Chicago Bears and their dilemma at quarterback seems to be they have already made up their mind, but we got to talk about the rookie quarterback that they drafted here in the 2021 NFL season. It's the podcast. It's Pete Forsey at Pete Forsey on all social media. You can hit up the text line, call line 816-226-7483. That's 816-226-7483. It's good to be back. Thank you so much for listening to episode 51 of the podcast. I had a friend uh, put the photo of Cam Newton in Super Bowl 50. I think that was the year when they didn't go with the Roman numerals. They actually went with 5-0 because they thought the NFL, that is, it just proves in the world, it just proves to everybody that they are always thinking about everything on how to print cash. They even said, we have to get rid of of the Roman numerals in Super Bowl 50. Why? Because it's ugly. And it won't uh, cast uh, attention on our game. They said, for this year and this year only, we're going to put 5-0. Everything else can go back to the the way it's always been. Super Bowl 50 is when Cam Newton was a Carolina Panther. 
And his team was 15-1 and in the regular season, marched to the Super Bowl against Denver Broncos in, I believe it was Santa Clara or wherever the 49ers stadium is in Northern California. And Cam and the Panthers got crushed. Coney Ely won Mizzou. Might have been the MVP of the game if Carolina had, uh, you know, stuck it out and got the W. I think they ended up losing by a pair of touchdowns. Uh, it wasn't close by the, by the end of the fourth quarter, Peyton Manning's last game. But Cam Newton... There's an indelible memory with him in that he didn't jump on a fumble. He didn't jump on the fumble. He later blamed it on training his mind and his body to not jump on fumbles, to protect himself from getting a hit on a dog pile because he's the quarterback and obviously the most important position on the field. And that that was his reasoning. And it just made me think that, you know, in the six years since that game, Cam is still held in that same regard as his 2015 MVP season of that Super Bowl. And I really don't understand why. That season was a perfect collection of everything that needed to go right with the Panthers. They had a soft schedule. They had good receivers on their team that were very conducive to Cam. Um, You know, outside threats, power football, throw it deep, uh, running between the tackles, good offensive line. And they, they marched their way to the Super Bowl. And, you know, any team that makes the Super Bowl deserves credit. And Cam had a good season. He's a good player. Never have denied that he's not a good player. But he won the MVP in which he shouldn't have based off his team's success. And if you think that the best player in the best team should win MVP automatically, or if that just makes sense logically to you, you're not thinking on this at a deep enough level. Cam Newton is not skilled enough. He's very talented. He's what, 260, 6'5", runs like a deer, runs fast, uh, hard to bring down. Like I said, big, strong arm. But he doesn't have the skill that the elite players, the Patrick Mahomes, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, to play the quarterback position. And since that 2015 year, it's been nothing but downhill. In completion percentage, in touchdowns, in games played, he hasn't been starting as many games. Cam has never had the year since 2015, and yet it's like every September, whether it was last year in New England uh, with Jeff Schwartz of ESPN talking about how Cam's always been able to make all the throws on the field, or if it was 2018 when he had a pretty respectable year and talking about how he is among the elite players in the NFL or players even just tweeting it out. It's been countless amounts of times that I've seen the Hasanas, praise for Cam Newton, and he's just not that good. What do we have to go off of any further? Bill Belichick has cut him right before the season starts. He's elected to go with a rookie at the most important position on the field. And it, it it's just a testament to why he's not really that useful of a quarterback. He's a good player. I almost think he should consider... A position change. He should consider a position change and play more of a, a like Taysom Hill type of role. Not that he uh, you know, has the speed element or the same type of speed as a Taysom Hill. But it's going to be difficult for him to really get another organization to believe in him to be a starter in this league. Especially when you throw in the fact that it's so difficult to build your team around someone like Cam. He's so different. You have to build your offense and your defense to play complement complimentary football 
in the way that you have to use Cam Newton as the signal caller. And, you know, Baltimore has done something similar with Lamar Jackson. They've done it beautifully. Maybe that's a fit. But the thing with Cam Newton is that teammates like him. Teammates really like who he is as a guy. And even Bill Belichick liked him as a guy. I don't think there was any really complaints, maybe outside of the COVID thing that went on earlier. About five days ago, that probably cost him his job here. Today on Tuesday, last day of August. But are you really going to bring in a presence, a personality like him to be the backup? The first sign of trouble? You have Josina Anderson or uh, any NFL Network, Tom Pellicero or Ian Rappaport, who has an unnamed source on X team that says they believe Cam Newton should be the quarterback. That's all it takes when you bring in someone like Cam Newton. One unnamed source to NFL Network to Adam Schefter at ESPN where they get on on Wake Up or Get Up or whatever the show is called. All it takes is one source for Schefter to go on says, I talk to blank players and they think Cam Newton should be starting. Then the coach has to address the rumors. Cam Newton has to address the rumors. The incumbent quarterback has to address the rumors. I I don't know if Cam's really going to get a shot to be a backup because of who he is as a guy. And I'm not saying that's anything you should change. He's just, that's how he resonates with folks, how he resonates with his teammates. So it's going to have to be a starting gig. And at this point in the season, when teams have prepared with who their starters are going to be already, you know, Denver's a team that I think you know, makes sense just schematically, but they've already been running with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. I, I just don't know if there's a clear-cut answer here. He's a, he's a very talented player. So that's where I think, you know, it, you almost got to be willing to be used in any which way if you're Cam Newton. You can't come in and say you want the starters reps, and I think he gets that at this point in time. Uh, but also, even if he's open to being a backup, I, I don't know if the franchise wants that. It, it's a very tricky situation, and I really hope this just closes the deal on Cam Newton. Talented player. Talented athlete. Good when you surround him with the parts that he needs. But those parts and that offense and that scheme, that's a difficult thing to put together, especially when it's a passing league. And Cam Newton doesn't have much touch. And short passes are the way you win in the NFL. You don't really run the football that much unless you got a great offensive line. Patriots put that around him. He still couldn't throw with touch. He still couldn't put passes outside of the numbers, outside of the hashes. He's a power thrower. Limits the playbook. Cam Newton cut from New England, and it's no surprise at all. Javi Baez had explained himself after the game on Sunday that the thumbs-down gesture was for the fans at City Field in Queens, uh, the, the New York Mets. He, he is batting a paltry 210, 258, 452 slash line. So batting average, 210, 258 OBP, 452 slugging percentage. He's played in all of 17 games with the Mets, just got off the IL. And Javi Baez wants to, to call out the fans. This is after Steve Cohen, the owner, calls him out on Twitter with the bad OPS and slugging percentage that he referenced. And in addition to Baez, you had Frankie Lindor, the guy who I don't really believe in face of the franchise. I think it's you know just kind of silly. And I mean, you know, the face of the franchise is always in the eyes of the beholder. And I mean, that, that, that could change based off if you're a fan, how you view the New York Mets. You know, face of the franchise could be David Wright or it could be uh, Doc Goodwin, or it could be Keith Hernandez. So, I mean, Frankie Lindor, 
face of the franchise, so to speak, signed a 10-year deal. He did the same thing as Baez. Thumbs down and is just directing their disdain. I don't know if I call it disdain, but, you know, they're just saying, hey, we hear you, almost screw you to the fans. And then they come out today and say, I didn't mean to offend anyone. What the hell does it mean? This is just another circus in Queens that, you know, they had the um, misconduct allegations earlier in the year. Their former coach is texting uh, the media and girls within the organization with, you know, pics with with his shirt off. It's just like, it's almost crazy that you, you clean house the manager, the general manager, the owner, and it's still the same old Mets. Just an absolute circus. They can't win any games. They were in first place at the tra- trade deadline. They've won nine games since then. I think they won today. And I think Baez actually, uh, yeah, I'm seeing it here. He scored the winning run. So, hey, they, they won a seven-inning game here on uh, the final day of August. But, I mean, they're, they're out of the postseason. They're done. And it's just been a disaster. Yeah, Pete Alonzo calling out Major League Baseball earlier this year that, for a fact, he, he apparently knows the facts, that the baseballs are doctored based off who's in free agency the upcoming offseason. They, 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 they want to tailor it so so-and-so gets paid and so-and-so does not. Very bold, Pete Alonzo, all of like 25 years old, been in the league since 2019. He seems to know the facts. The GM, the, uh, the interim GM, for the Mets actually called bullshit on that. It's unreal. And it's it's very tough if you're a Mets fan to rally behind a team that when the owner changes, and there's been reports via The Athletic, I think it was Ken Rosenthal, some owners and executives within the league laugh at the tweets that Cohen sends out, which I argue for this day and age, if you got an owner that's tweeting, taking answers from the fans, um, you know, Bad publicity. I don't know if there is a such thing. You can make the argument that there's not. I think it's cool that he's tweeting at the fans. Not because I personally like it, but I think it's good for the growth of the game. But you do leave yourself at risk to be called out in situations like this. And then you have your players who feel empowered to do the same thing, even if they've only played 17 games on your team. Uh, Javi Baez, uh, I'm very surprised that you would do this. Um, he, he didn't really necessarily call, call out the Cubs when he was playing with them and, and the fans at Wrigley Field. But I, I think this is a, a disaster of a trade for New York. Um, not only has Baez been horrible, uh, the team has nosedived. And despite new ownership, general manager, front office, and uh, manager on the field, um, yeah, it's the same old New York Mets. I wanted to talk about Yadier Molina because he had uh, earned an extension from St. Louis Cardinals. He'll be finishing out his career as a Cardinal. He also admitted last week that uh, the 2022 season will be his last, and he hopes to get into coaching at the end of his career. Now, he didn't specify when that was going to be, but he does say he wants to be a part of the organization because he loves the organization and uh, wants to help the next wave of Cardinals baseball players. And, you know, it's a perfect example. It's a shining example of the St. Louis Cardinals not really making any sense. And I, I you know, don't use this lightly, but it, it's denial in a sense that you're continuing to to trot out the, the same players 
and you're expecting like different results. I'm not going to give you the definition of insanity. You've heard that before, but you know, Yadier Molina was signed back in February after some back and forth between the Cardinals and his camp. And he even admitted he didn't know at some point if it was going to get done in St. Louis and he had to accept the reality that maybe he'd be playing baseball elsewhere or not at all. And obviously, you know, COVID's factored in that you can't meet face to face, or at least they were refraining from doing so. But Yadier Molina just earned a raise. He is making $9 million this year in 2021. He'll be making $10 million next year in St. Louis. And he's batting .253 with a .296 OBP and slugging .363. Obviously, he's never been a true power hitter for the last, I don't know, since 2012. So it's been quite some time. But he is 38. He'll be 39 next year. And he's just a well below average player. Weighted runs created plus... Uh, all-encompassing, you know, 100 is average. He's been at 87, 82, 81 in the last three seasons, respectively. I, you know, for some reason, he's held with the media in St. Louis and really, uh, you know, nationally too, if you want, if you want to extend it that far. But there seems to be a reason or two I cannot identify. Why you can't say anything bad about Yadier Molina? You're not taking away anything from his accomplishments and what he's done with the gold gloves and the pitchers that he's coached through, whether it's Joe Kelly or whomever, that really has elevated their game and the World Series that he brought to the franchise. You're not taken away from that by letting him go and saying, you know, we've had enough. You're, you're doing the smart, prudent thing here. And I, I'm tired of hearing about intangibles and leadership in grit, it, it, it's it's not the smart move. That's not enough. You pay him to play catcher and to hit and to be a player. If you want to bring him on staff for his intangibles and leadership, do it. Have him be the catching coach. It, it's kind of like the quarterbacks that make the roster that have no business being on the roster, but the coach references his, his work in the quarterback room and the way he handles himself in the classroom, in the film sessions. It's like, okay, well, if you like him that much, have him be a coach. Do the do the Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore's now an offensive coordinator. And, you know, with Yadier Molina, it's just, it's the end of the road. I've been watching the games. He's banged up all the time. He can't run. He, he He's lost a little something behind the plate. The, the fundamentals that used to be a little bit lazy and used to rely more on talent that's not cutting it anymore because he's he's older. He's not as young. And this idea that, well, Neiser's not ready or Herrera, who's you know still a teenager, is not ready. It's like, okay, that's fine. You can go out and get a, a bridge uh, catcher or, you know, a um, a placeholder. But the Yadier Molina experiment, I, I, it's done. He earned a raise this season. And everything that he complicates with the lineup, with how slow he is, he basically has to bat in the middle. It's like third through six, and you don't want him batting third or fourth because he's not really a run producer. He doesn't hit on runs, but you don't want him batting low with how slow he is in a double play. And he can't bat leadoff, obviously. It it complicates things. It really does. And and they continue to trot out the same guys. And I, I know I'm hammering on the Molina thing, but it's like, Paul DeYoung, well, we want him to be the shortstop. Why? He makes $4 million. Let him be a backup. Get a new shortstop. 
Th- these are two examples. Molina, the latest here last week on th- this Cardinals team, an organization. I, I-, I really... I wish I had answers on what they're trying to accomplish, if they're trying to get payroll off the books and then take a deep dive into free agency. I don't think that's going to happen because they are horrible at free agency. And, and they only seem to trust their their own development of players, but then they feel the pressure to make a trade in season and they get rid of their, their good outfielders. And, and then you look at it and you're like, well, I, I, I'm not really sure what they can do. They don't trust themselves in trades. They don't trust themselves in free agency. And they don't seem to want to move off the guys that they have on their own team. I'm out of answers. The Cardinals seem to be out of answers because, as John Mazalak said, they have settled on 2021. Okay, we're going to go back to the National Football League. It's a little game that we're going to start here. Stock up, stock down. Things that I think about with certain teams prior to one week, uh, just about one week, I guess it'll be 12 days before the first game, Cowboys-Buccaneers kickoff in Tampa Bay for the first game of the 2021 NFL season. I'm going to go stock up on these teams, stock down on these teams, give you the latest on what I think is going to happen. We will start with stock down. The Indianapolis Colts, by golly, Carson Wentz, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, uh, Fisher, uh, Eric Fisher with with uh, the Colts previously with the Chiefs. Injuries, man. COVID list. It's just bad. I really like the Colts on paper. I think they can threaten the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC along with the Browns based off how they're built uh, in their defensive uh, edge rusher and defensive line pressure. And they got a good enough cornerback secondary to th- I, I, I think they can match up okay with Kansas City and slow them down. But you got to have both sides of the ball healthy Right now, Carson Wentz, who you're already kind of betting high that he'd have a bounce back. Not good. Injury so far, you know, I I had the whole thing red flagged when you told me 5 to 13 weeks. Like, when do you ever hear a 5 to 13 week timeline? Never. Okay? It, it was that way for Quentin Nelson, too. Weird, man. Stock down on the Colts. Stock up the Los Angeles Rams. Healthy every year. They got something going on, much like the San Francisco Giants in baseball. They got something going on with their performance staff. They're really good about keeping their guys healthy, and they they always do, and they're always a top-heavy team. they are got no salary cap space, so I don't know how they're going to make additions in season, but they just traded for Sony Michelle after Daryl Henderson had his little fluke injury, and they, they knew that Cam Akers was not going to be Uh, making an impact in 2021, but I'm taking a a leap here. The Rams, uh, they obviously got Stafford. I definitely think they're going to take a leap forward in the passing game and what's going to be in their playbook. I'm going to bet on them being healthy. They're definitely a team I like moving forward. Stafford hasn't played in the preseason, but I like betting on the Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay, high-level guy, high-level coach, stock up on the Rams. Stock down, the New York Giants, offensive line, awful. Linebacker, just got busted for PEDs. Joe Judge, kind of doing this, you know, uh, juvenile bullshit in practice, like making guys run and having all these rules. You know, I I really like Joe Judge when I heard that. (laughs) You heard that he had uh, uh, basically fought his offensive line coach before he fired him. His name was Mark Colombo. It was last year. Apparently, in practice, he had 
threatened to fight him during the drills, during the session. And I thought, you know, if this is who he is and he actually did that, you know, that's great. That's who he is. That's what he does. But now you, you, you're kind of telling grown men to run laps and, and do, to putting in these juvenile practices that I've been reading reports-wise. And, you know, if the New York Giants are going to turn this thing around, they they got to kind of, you know, teach to how things are today. And, and right now they're just not doing that. So stock down on the Giants. Uh, stock up. Pittsburgh Steelers, culture flex a couple of years ago. I think it's going to be a culture flex for the Steelers, Big Ben. I don't think he's going to have a great year. I think it's going to be a typical 39-year-old season, at least for most folks that play that position at 39 years of age. He's going to start hot in September. He's going to be fresh. He's going to be ready. Probably slow down come the winter months in November and December. But I do think just from a skills position standpoint, the Steelers are kind of getting rode off a little bit early here. I know they're in a tough division with the Ravens. And with the Browns and the Bengals, you would think would be more improved, but they still look pretty bad here in the preseason. I think Pittsburgh's still going to be respectful, and you don't really see Mike Tomlin having a losing season. Why he's never had one before, but also it's just he knows how to to get a team ready, and he knows if Big Ben's not his quarterback, he's done it with Mason Rudolph, he did it with Duck Hodges. Mike Tomlin, Hall of Fame coach, he's going to have them be an okay team. I would bet the Steelers have a better season than what many are giving them credit for. Stock down. Minnesota Vikings. This is a team that I really like on paper, but again, the injuries. Irv Smith, um, you know, you got Cousins who doesn't want to get vaccinated. And, you know, belief or no belief on the vaccine, it's it's a competitive advantage based off what they're allowing in the locker rooms, at the facilities for NFL players. And week to week, it's just going to be up in the air for the Vikings. Is Kirk Cousins going to be available? Because if he even puts on the mask, even if he social distances, if somebody else doesn't do it, he could have a positive test. And I, I think on paper what they did with the draft and what they did with Patrick Peterson, and I, I think he's going to get rejuvenated under Zimmer. You know, it they, they got it all right there. But these early injuries, especially their tight end, and you just don't know with Cousins, you know, stock down. I, I like the Vikings. I want to like them. But as we head into the... Uh, you know, final 10 days here before week one, it's not looking good. Stock up. The Bills, the Buffalo Bills, I really like what you're seeing out of Josh Allen. I do have some questions about what's going on with the COVID and, you know, Beasley, again, not getting vaccinated. They have one of the lowest vaccination rates on uh, in the NFL. But overall, I think Josh Allen and what they have on paper and Brian Dable, I think is going to continue. I'm not the biggest believer in Josh Allen, but for where the roster is at, the offensive line, the skills position, this is one of the most balanced teams in the NFL. I think the Buffalo Bills, um, they, they may have some trouble with New England. Again, Mac Jones, Patriots, uh, they're going to be starting the Mac era here, but I think the Bills on paper do have an improved roster and really got a little bit tougher on the interior of the defensive line, which kind of plagued them Uh, in the postseason last year, stock up on the Buffalo Bills. In general, I am very pro playing veteran quarterbacks. I am more on the coach side of things where, not that I was a coach, I never coached football, but just from a method standpoint, a logic standpoint, a strategic standpoint, I believe in playing a veteran quarterback. He knows where to go with the ball. This is in theory for you know, just in, in generalization, he knows where to go with the ball. He knows the plays. He knows how to get the offense ready into the play. He knows where to be. And maybe some of his talent 
though deficient from a rookie quarterback who's younger, more skilled, uh, or at least more talented, more physically capable of playing, the veteran quarterback knows what to do. And that's where I'm typically more pro playing the quarterback until the younger quarterback knows how to learn everything that I just mentioned that the veteran does. But in this instance with the Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, neither of which I don't understand how they have a job still. Matt Nagy has just been dogmatic and so convicted in his plan with Justin Fields. He's not ready to play him. He is already named since the spring and has not backed off. He hasn't even said it's been a possibility. He's just closed the door entirely on Justin Fields playing week one. And he says everything's going to be made in the best decision for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, well... You know, until your job's on the line, which your job's basically been on the line since, you know, you weren't fired at the end of the year when the McCaskey family had every reason to fire you because your offense, you're, you're just running plays. You're not playing football. You're not uh, trying to beat the opponent. You're just running plays out there with your offense, which I understand you probably got a quarterback that's better than anyone that you've had in Justin Fields. And for some reason, you don't want to play him because you like your plan. Well, your plan sucks. You got 17 games. You made the playoffs last year uh, with a 500 record somehow, some way. It was, it was an awful team. Their defense is not as good as what people think. And, and you have Andy Dalton, who, you know, for whatever reason, we get back to getting raises. And I understand the marketplace has, you know, reasons for, for bearing this out. But Andy Dalton was a backup in Dallas last year. Made, I believe it was $4 million got $10 million this year to be on the Bears. Ryan Pace, what are you doing? What, what what did Andy Dalton do in the 2020 season to earn a raise? Honestly, the, the, the Cowboys sucked. They went into every game since Dak Prescott was injured knowing they were going to lose. They were, it was just bad, bad mojo across the entire organization. Andy Dalton did zilch, which I like the signing for Dallas. I think he's a good backup quarterback. He's a good guy to have when you need to go two and two if the quarterback gets injured for a month. But you are screwed if you have to start Andy Dalton starting in week five, which I think that was the case with Dak Prescott. I think he was gone since since week four. But now you're going in with him as a starter. Why? Because you gave him the money? Because that was the plan when we got him? Well, the plan's changed. We, you got Justin Fields. You're able to maneuver up the draft. And I'm, I'm not some huge proponent of Justin Fields. I, I didn't exactly love him coming out of the draft. I think he's got a strong arm. He holds onto the ball too long. He's probably only going to be able to play with leads. Um, you know, he, he, he doesn't have the best footwork, uh, but he's got very good running ability, probably underrated running ability coming out of the draft. Um, I saw him playing the preseason. I thought, you know, he's pretty sweet as a runner. Duke can kind of zig and zag between defenders. This could be pretty useful. And when you have an offensive line as bad as the Bears, do you want a statue back there in Andy Dalton standing behind the offensive line and running the offense? No, you you need someone that can move and Justin Fields can move. And I I, I don't understand how this all adds up. Well, you know, if, if Dalton can, you know, play more of the playbook, but he, he's not good at, at making the throws, which he's not. But you have a cannon of an arm in fields. Maybe you do skinny down the playbook. And you're a little more calculated 
with your shots because you do have a guy that can launch the ball. And you do have a guy that can make electric plays, chunk plays, explosive plays. I, you know, I, I'm going against how I typically feel about these things. But, you know, it, it doesn't make sense if you're Chicago, especially when you're the head coach coaching for your goddamn job. And the executive, for whatever reason, Ryan Pace, he's just been awful at building a roster. He gets another another shot at this thing. But, you know, they're going to play the Los Angeles Rams week one. And, I, you know, the, the Rams are going to win. There's no way the Bears win unless for some reason, you know, Fields is named the week one starter. Even then, I don't think they have a great shot. But they're going to see what a well-run organization looks like with Sean McVay, Les Snead, and how they build their teams and how they manipulate the cap and how they put money at the right places uh, with their players. They're not afraid to pay their guys. They're not afraid to move off their guys if they make a mistake. And they just continue to win games. And then you got Chicago, who says they have a plan, loves their plan, and the plan is to start Andy Dalton. I don't know what to tell you. Chicago Bears, you got the better starter on the bench, and it doesn't sound like Matt Nagy is going to move off that anytime soon. Appreciate everybody listening. I do need your DMs. I need you to slide up in there at Pete4C. We're on all social media. Questions, uh, mailbag, we'll answer it right here on the show. And whether you want to leave a uh, a phone call at 816-226-7483. Again, that's 816-226-7483. You can text that number. You can call that number. I'll play your voice right here on the show. And you'll be, get to uh, to clap back at me and my thoughts and my takes. But I want to hear your takes. And I will answer any questions that you have at that number or at Pete4C. That's all social media. I appreciate you guys listening. We will be back with more NFL football, more Major League Baseball. The podcast is back. Thanks so much for tuning in. <laughs>